Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We have come to visit you in peace and with goodwill. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Earth vs. Soup, episode 80. I'm Aaron Pallier. And I'm Darlene. Well, and today we decided that we were going to do When Worlds Collide, based on last last week's that had like a planet approaching Earth. Both both last week's movie, um, The Man from Planet X, and this week's movie, When Worlds Collide, were done in 1951. And it's night and day, isn't it? Well... One's colored and one's not. Yeah, but I'm talking about the quality. Yes, it is very... Um, one's by George Pal. Well, I mean, and George Pal clearly cares. Except for the last... Th- there are problems in this movie. Okay, because look, let's be honest. Every movie that George Pal did in the 1950s and 60s, we either have enjoyed or will enjoy. That's not to say that there aren't problems in each one. I absolutely love Time Machine and War of the Worlds, but I still found fault in them. There is fault in some some of them, but they're very few. And what works in these movies and George Powell movies really work well. So, Darlene, you said that you'd never seen this movie before. I don't remember it, no. Which is shocking to me because this is, of course, one of my like top five. That you've had this DVD for a while. I've had this DVD for a while. I, I used to watch it all the time. It and along with um, War of the Worlds are like two of the movies that I remember watching and actually being upset about and, and, and crying about as a kid. Like just the awful things that are happening in them, but like people rising up above them to be good people. I just remember, I remember having like strong emotions about. You about also them. have people rising up in this movie that to be bad people too. Yes, but it's the fact that the vast majority of the people that are the characters in this are doing good because they can. 
and they want to because they want to have the world to be better. Yeah, the world is falling apart around them, but it's like, no, I'm going to make this sacrifice that hurts me because it's going to help everyone more. And that's like a big, it's this, it's the same kind of thing that we see in War of the Worlds. And we'll, we'll talk about it when we get into the plot of this. But in War of the Worlds, you have that. You have these people that are really just trying their best to do, do good. Or people that are trying to do good on the small scale, like the three people that are out by the landed Martian saucer that are honest to God just going out to it to talk. Like, hey, they're, they're guests. We should welcome them to our world. Let's try to communicate. And they, they walk out there and they're, they're honestly not being aggressive. They're just wanting to say hello. And they get vaporized. Like it's that small they're trying to do something good and nice you mean the um the three guys that were watching the saucer right at the beginning it's that it, it's you're, this, it's no, you're not talking about this one no i'm not talking i'm talking about like george pal in general like has these themes okay. in his movies this this wasn't this movie no 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 okay we're gonna we're gonna go into the movie now the, but you, the movie starts with genesis well yeah it's a lot of George Pell movies have a biblical reference in them, along with uh, is it, it's Woody Woodpecker. Woody Woodpecker's in all of these films. Where was it in this one? Oh, God, now, now, now I don't remember. It's in all of his films because he knew the, the people that worked with uh, the Woody Woodpecker stuff. That's why in Destination Moon, there's that whole Woody Woodpecker sequence that was specifically done for Destination Moon. I know that I remember in, in Time Machine, there's a little girl that's carrying a Woody Woodpecker doll that drops it in the quote-unquote future London as the bombs are coming in. I remember that's, that's in there. Um, in War of the Worlds, it's specifically a Woody Woodpecker laugh that you can hear in the background of one scene. But like it's, it's supposed to be the TV or something? It's, it's supposed to be the radio or the TV or something going. But it's, it's a very clear Woody Woodpecker laugh. And I, I honestly, I can't remember it in this film, but I know it's there because it's in every single George Powell movie. Um, so yeah, we, we start with a biblical quote, quote and uh, them talking about um, like astronomy and how, how it's looking out into space and how space is so vast and that it takes a lot of effort to find anything. And then they go to this South African observatory. And I thought that's an interesting choice, at least for today. I don't think they would do that today because it's clearly apartheid South Africa because it's all, all the scientists there are white. And well, at that time, yes, it would yeah, have been. Yeah, it would have been. Um, but it was supposed to be the highest, they said the highest uh, observatory at, at the and time. And I'm like going, uh, Well, see, in 1951, I don't there was know. still... Uh, the one in Hawaii wasn't there. Yeah, but I, I, without doing further research on it, I don't, I actually don't know if that's true or not, but it doesn't really matter because it's a very, it's a very minor plot point in this movie. The point, what, what they're trying to say is that at the South African telescope, these astronomers have found, they've detected what they originally quote as a star. Dr. Now, Emerson... Bronson. You put way too much importance on them just calling it a star. Okay. What, uh, because you're like, it's not a star. And I'm like, I agree. It's not a star. It's that they called it a star because it looked that way at first. I told you I was confused. Okay. Because at one point they're calling it a star and the other one thing, a planet that was going around the star. Now you're going to have to, re you're going to have to remind me about the names of the planets 
here. It's um even though I've seen this movie a billion times, it's like I always want to say it's Zoya, but it's not. It's it's Zyra and Bellis. Bellis is the big one, right? It's supposed to be like twelve times they say it's, and it's a it's a terrestrial one. Okay, too. they say it's twelve times the size of Earth. Now that's not very precise because there's a difference between being twelve times as big or twelve times as massive. Because if it's twelve times as massive, it could be like two times the volume of Earth. It all depends on the density. I know we're I getting into they, the details. Here. I think they left that vague for a reason. We see it later on, and we can say we can say that Bellus is bigger than Earth. It is much larger. In but the it's, picture, it looks probably twice the size. Yeah, about twice the diameter about twice the diameter so okay fair enough it's probably about the same overall density um but it doesn't really matter the point is is that bellus is a big world and that there it has effectively a moon that is the size of earth about the size of earth and that's zyra okay so the calendars all have zyra and bellus like when when but we're getting ahead of ourselves on this okay so these South African astronomers have found this, and it's moved a million miles in two weeks. And this is where I go, ooh, math. A million miles in two weeks actually isn't that big of a deal. One million miles in two weeks. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I said. A million miles in two weeks. And it's three billion miles away. So I'm like, okay, so there's like 10 years-ish before it'll hit. No, no, it's, it's not exactly right. Um, they, they say what, like eight months later it on in the movie. was less than a year. By the way, folks, some of the numbers in this movie are where I actually say it doesn't work because it's, it's like the one time that you can try to do proper math in this movie. And George Powell tends to be okay with it in other movies, though he tends to avoid doing any math. It's, but in this case, it's very clear what the math is. And it's a little wonky. Anyway, um, there is a guy that's at this observatory, and his name is uh, David Randall. He is a pilot, and he's actually introduced to us as flying in on a plane. He's a pilot, and he has this kind of blonde bombshell on his arm in the, uh, in his, in, in the in plane. His tra- plane, in his seat. And they're making out while he's landing. And I thought, wow, this guy's this guy's kind of a player. And it turns out he's not. It's just that this woman was, like, really into him. I don't know. It just didn't, it it was not good for the movie. That could have been left out. What I think, it, it actually adds to his character, though, a little bit later on. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain it when we get to this point. He is, he is basically a courier. He's an aircraft courier. He, he takes important messages from A to B and takes his job very seriously. Um, They handcuff a box to him to take the data from this telescope back to America. And I guess it's like New York and they're going to take it to a different astronomer, right? To Dr. Cole. He gets an offer. Henderson. He gets an offer while he's in the air. There's like an air telegram or something like that they call it or a radiogram. They call it a radiogram. Where 
it's clear that like the news agencies know that there is something in his possession that is worth a lot. That's why he's acting as a courier and they're offering him like five grand, which in 1951, if you convert it to $2021, that's around like $53,000 that they're offering him just to, to look inside this case. And he kind of shakes his head and just crumples up the paper and throws it away. Like it's clear that he takes his job very seriously. You have to, in that kind of business, your reputation is what you can't get that kind of a job without a reputation. And if you yes. one time screwed up. Yeah, you're, you're done. And here's the thing. He does not know what is in the case. He actually doesn't care what is in the case. Because he just of wants his, job. his five thousand. He just wants his payment of I forget exactly how much. It I was. thought it was five thousand. That was what the radiogram said was an offer of five thousand dollars. I thought it was like a fifteen thousand dollar payment or something like that. It was it was a huge amount, but it's clear that this guy is good at his job and is professional and doesn't screw up, right? Well, he, <clears throat> excuse me, he lands in New York and he's pointed out by our leading lady. The character's Are name is... Are you sure that was New York or... It could be. You, it doesn't matter. I thought it was on in California. Does not matter. He gets to, well, the, gets to the New new World. To me, if he's flying from South Africa, he's landing in New York first. New York. Or, or Miami. It doesn't matter, right? Um, this is our leading lady. The character's name is Joyce Hendren. Um, the actress's name is actually Barbara Rush. And, and here's where I'm going to pause on the plot for a second. Because... Our, our main actors here are uh, Richard Dare as David Randall, the courier. Barbara Rush as Joyce Hendren. Um, we have John Hoyt as Sidney Stanton. There are tons and tons and tons of um, people here that have links to Star Trek, the original series. Either they acted in it as specific characters, like admirals or things like that, or in Barbara Rush's case she was married to Jeffrey Hunter, who was actually the original Captain Pike. And, and there's your bombshell. Oh, it was Gertrude Astor. Oh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look up Gertrude Astor here really quick. The blonde bombshell that was in the aircraft. Oh, that, that was not her, Darlene. That wasn't her. It says traveler. Yeah, but she was like, she would have been 68 in this oh. movie. So like, no, that you pointed out the wrong person. Anyway, I don't think it, I don't think it matters. It doesn't matter. Anyway, we're moving on. I just wanted to say that there's lots of weird Star Trek connections in this, which is cool. So if you're a big fan of the original series, watch, please. Anyway, Joyce, the character is Joyce, points out that that's Randall and she takes him to see her father. Now, her father is Dr. Cole Hendren, who's played by Larry Keating. Larry Keating's uh, actor that we have seen many, many times in these good quality um, movies. Uh, he was in Mr. Ed. He was in tons and tons and tons of old school movies and TV shows. Uh, regardless, regardless. Um, she's taking him to see her father. And she starts talking about how it's amazing that all of these people, like, because they're in New York, they're driving yeah, through they New York. Yeah, they were in New York. That all these people are completely oblivious, and I wish they could stay that way. I wish I didn't know about the end of the world. And he's like, "Oh shit!" 
because she's clearly kind of traumatized by the knowledge that she knows and he didn't really know what's going on right and now he kind of knows and still doesn't really want to know so they they end up going and going to this office and david randall's still professional enough to say when when he's going to be taken into this office that he's like no hold on before i let this box be opened i have to make sure that this is the guy that i have to give it to and he pulls out like photos of this he's doctor got three photos from the like of different angles of this guy and he's like holding it up to him yeah i guess you are the guy this yeah david randall was a real professional courier so um they have this data that they end up that was inside this box and they end up putting it into a big mechanical computer that was out at ucla that is actually in a few george pal movies they feature it in, a, in I, I know they feature it in war of the worlds at the very least and i'm pretty sure it's in um there was in another movie destination that... moon it was in destination moon for them running the numbers for the moon launch um i i can i can almost guarantee it i can say with 90 percent certainty let's say because i know it's it's used george pal tends to like using the same not the same if a dip it's a differential it's a differential computer yeah it's a big mechanical computer um it gets fed in to it and they basically say yes what's going to happen is bellis is going to bump into earth and wreck earth but before bellis does that it's zyra is going to make a close pass yes. to earth and it's all but going to wreck the earth in the process there might still be people that live through it they say there's going to be tidal waves earthquakes because zyra is going to pass so close all this stuff is going to happen but it doesn't really <clears throat> matter because like 11 days later i think it is no it's it's less than it's more than that i don't remember it's it's a very <clears throat> short period of time it's a very short period of time that Bellis is going to end up impacting the earth and all life on earth will die because earth is going to get torn apart and they don't end up talking about the Roche limit. They don't end up talking about like tidal forces and, and how the earth is. I know that as a astrophysics person, the point is, is that the movie doesn't talk about it, but what the movie is trying to describe makes sense from an astrophysics point of view they're just not trying to bog you down in it and i i i paused the film at this point and i said darling you understand what they're saying like there is no hope here like the world is going to die and it's well, going to first, die the first thing that i i kind of laughed uh, laughed to you about was the un um that's in the next scene well it's in one of the next scenes but you laughed about what about the UN? Well, you wouldn't have got a, a because how how scrambled people are. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have got even into doing a speech at the UN that quickly. I well see the thing is remember that I it was the U.S. that actually brought in Doctor Doctor Hendren, and I think it was the u.s because of their position on the security council saying hey look um this guy needs to be listened to and it was like the brit everybody else except it was the the chairman of the committee that they were having uh this hearing at was from india and he was actually really respectful 
it was the French, the British. Um, and that scientist. Yeah, that was a Brit. I'm pretty sure he was he was supposed to be one of the British delegation. They were all being pricks. Um, what's interesting is they never showed the Soviet Union in there or China or any, you know, like any of the other, like it's, I think they had like Pakistan there. I no, they didn't. No, they didn't. I don't, that's, that's, I that's, no, I, 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 I apologize. No, they did not. It was India. The ones that I specifically remember were United States, India, Britain, France, and the French and the British were just being bastards. And they were laughing it all off along with this astronomer that they had brought in that says, Oh no, all their data is wrong. I'm sorry. We're confident. And then has to eat his shoes afterwards. Yeah. So what we find out, uh, we have David Randall learning the truth that the world is going to end. And this is where we see the change in his character, in my opinion, and why we saw him in the aircraft with this beautiful blonde originally. To me, it showed that his character was kind of this vivacious um, kind of ladies man who was all about living in the moment. Where then all of a sudden the world is going to end. And yeah, most people at that point would change into being someone that lives in the moment, but he's completely different. He starts thinking about the fact that everything that he cared about. Well, he starts, he starts uh, burning money. That's the point. Because he's yeah. like, that's worthless. Yeah, he goes to this fancy restaurant with Joyce and uh, her, her fiancé. And he has like $20 bills. Remember, $20 bills at that time are like 200 bucks worth 200 bucks. Is that Dr. Fry? Yeah, yeah. George Fry? Uh, they're technically not fiancés. They're not because they haven't, he has not asked her to marry him. But anyway, he's there and there's this old prim lady who obviously doesn't know what's going on. And he keeps using yeah, yeah, David Randall just keeps leaning over and using the um, sterno can. Well, the sterno can that's underneath this like silver. Fondue. Yeah, whatever. And lighting $20 bills on fire to light his, his cigarette, cigarette because he's like, I've always wanted to do that. And I guess it's OK because money's worthless now. Big deal. And he's he's changing. In, in a way like where most people would completely Well, he's also crack. getting drunk because he's he's talking about the bottle he's got. They pay... They, pay you, by the inch. You pay, you by, pay the by the inch. inch and here, how much have I pay, spent so far? Yeah, this bottle's worth $17 or whatever. $17.50. That's what Joyce ends up saying. He goes, no problem. I have money to burn. And he smiles and leans over and lights another $20 bill. And lights her cigarette. And lights her with... cigarette with it. And I'm like, okay... In, in most other movies, this would be a ridiculous scene. The fact is, is that it's hilarious to watch because you realize that this guy is actually kind of broken from this information. And Joyce and her, her sort of fiancé have known about this for a long time. Was it before or after this? Um, no, his, his fiancé, he didn't know until it was said in that uh, yeah, office. But she knew. That's the thing. She, she, she had been living with this information for a while. And it's the, the point of is he's coming to terms with the world ending and, and start seeing what really matters rather than what he thought mattered. And I think because money was all that mattered. So like I said, yeah, exactly. It was it was things that were like material, this beautiful blonde that's sitting on his lap in, in this aircraft, his own airplane. Right. It's all this money that he gets paid for doing this proper job 
of going around the world going around the world it's he's used to the finer things and now he's like none of that matters i actually care about things that do matter now i have to like he has to fill his life with things that actually matter and he does so the next scene oh and he i think it's a really nice touch that he ends up calling joyce stargazer all the time like that's his nickname for her is stargazer i don't know what you're thinking you know and and it's it actually puts in this chemistry between them and is it before this the the dance scene or after the dance scene that the the doctor a medical doctor yeah um actually asked her to marry that's after this darling you keep jumping ahead like two or three scenes i didn't See after after the scene where he's lighting lighting money on fire for cigarettes is that scene at the at the UN where they say basically eight months until the world ends, and that Doctor Hendren proposes that rockets be built by every major nation on Earth to save to save humanity and any life that we can. Okay, and this is where he's he's laughed out of the UN, right, and it's kind of shocking like i said how flippant everyone is about this it, it it it's not like even the other astronomer that like says oh they're wrong isn't even saying that bellis and zyra aren't going to make a close pass like oh yeah they will make a close pass and it's going to screw everything up but it's to the point where they don't even like the major nations seemingly don't even care that there will be earthquakes or tidal waves. It's it's pretty shocking. It's pretty shocking. Is it because they don't... At this point, I was going, is it that somebody in their government didn't want them to... I think that has to be it. ...to actually state, you know, make it so it's a laugh, so the panic doesn't... Yeah, extrude. I think it was. I think it had so to have been was, the major governments doing that of not trying to have people panic because the movie, by the way, folks, this movie is based on a book that, you know, of when, when worlds collide. Um, and in the book, they do talk about how there are multiple rockets that are built, but I don't, I have not read it. So I can't tell you the details of it. I just know that there were multiple rockets built in the book that, that make it off earth. Not many, not many at all. And we've already had this thought process behind us. Is um, me and you have had this discussion mm-hmm. about how many people would we have to have so we could reprocreate to being um, a viable, I a mean, viable you society. Could... And you said what at the minimum ten thousand? No, it's not ten thousand. You could do it with a couple hundred you get some scary things at, at a couple hundred, like you have to be very careful, but it's a couple hundred and we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. Because remember 1951, they didn't know about all those, the nitty gritty details of, of genetics, genetics and all that. Okay. They knew about DNA. I, I'm pretty sure in 1951, they knew about DNA. I'm pretty sure. I'm sure every, somebody out there screaming at their computer going, Aaron, you're wrong, but I'll be honest. Biology is not my, um, not my, Yours is expertise. It's astronomy, astrophysics, climate. Anyway, we we end up 
having Dr. Hendren going to Washington, D.C., and he meets with some industrialists. And here's where I, I, I thought this was really interesting. Uh, two or, I think it's two industrialists end up saying, you know what? It's no skin off my back. I'll give you funding for your rocket. And they don't ask for anything in return. They said, basically, the logic was, if it's all a big panic, if it's all a big panic and the world continues on, it's money invested in technology mm-hmm. yes. and the space program. And if the world does end, guess what? People might live. And they don't ask for seats on the rocket at all. But one guy does. One guy does, but he comes in later. Okay? And he wants... Um... He wants a seat. He actually wants control. He wants but we're, control. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. That's actually, um, that's actually almost the next scene. But this is where Tony comes in to ask for Joyce's hand in marriage, and she admits to her father that she actually has feelings for David now because of all the time that they've been spending together, like going around the U.S. and trying to raise money for this rocket program to put humanity on it. Anyway, this is where we're introduced to Stanton who's an industrialist in a wheelchair and DNA 1953. Okay. So not quite folks, not quite. I knew it was in the time. Um, it started in 1869, but the discovery of the DNA, DNA sketching of how it is, is uh, nine, 1953. So we'll, we have to give the movie a little bit of a pass. There is a 1929 with some information on the sugars. We're, we're saying, we have to give the movie a little bit of a pass. Yeah. Okay. So this industrialist comes in and says, I will fund the rest of the rocket. Money is no object, but I want a seat on the rocket and I want to choose who goes on the rocket. And uh, Dr. Hendren absolutely refuses. He goes, no. And Stanton goes, okay, you're hard. You're, you're, you're negotiating hard here. I get it. Fine. I want a seat on the rocket and I want, 50%. 50% 50%. 50% of the seats. And Dr. Hendren goes, screw off. Basically, he says, screw off. And Stanton's like, you're insane. You mean you don't want my money? And I and he goes, no, I want your money. But I'm thinking about humanity where you're thinking about yourself. I will promise you a seat on the rocket and no one else. And he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. He's an older man in a wheelchair. And that's what Dr. Dr. Hendren says. Guess what? Your money for your life. Mm-hmm. Because this guy's obviously a douchebag. But he has money. And he goes money. to walk out the door because the guy wasn't going to do it. Yeah, and, and Dr. Well, not Dr., but Stanton, this industrialist, is like, damn you, fine. I get the seat. And Dr. Hendon's like, welcome aboard. You know, like, hell yeah. It was actually a pretty intense scene where you don't really know what's going on because it, it, it isn't really it isn't really going with what your expectations of how that should all play out. I thought it was a well done scene is what I'm saying. Um, they start end up, they, they, so what we have is Joyce and David going around the United States. Okay. And they are starting to recruit workers for this project. And they basically say, Hey, look, we cannot promise you seats there's only going to be 40 seats on this rocket. That's all we can put for the mass because it takes so much mass to get escape Earth's gravity. Let's get this straight. There's going to be sheep and cows. Yes. And and they show them 
Yeah. And they're all young. Yes. All young animals because you want the hardiest animals. I get, and I try to explain that to you and you're like, okay, I get it. But you want young people. But I asked you why they didn't have children. Because children are going to be a burden on, uh, on the immediate survival of the colony, the colony, but you need children in the short term, just not in the immediate term. And this is one of those things that makes us grade um, movies. If they make us think, ask questions, yes, and further our thought, we usually give a thumbs up on something like that, even if it's a modern one that makes us uh, discuss things out. Yeah, and obviously this movie has nearly every major scene in it has a moment like that where you're like, ooh, I want, that's something to think about. Or that's an interesting idea. And like I said, there's there's moments in this movie that give me emotions, like deep emotions. Um, and it's it's one, one of these scenes is where they're like, okay, we cannot promise you a seat on this rocket, but what we can promise you is that the work you do will contribute to the survival of something of humanity, something. And you might get a seat. Who knows? There's going to be a lottery, right? Yes. They, they've already promoted it as a lottery. And people are just... And there, there's two different sets of there's groups. There's going to be men and there's women. There's a, a box for the women and there's a box for but the men. But that's later on. That's later on. But you see it kind of as, as they're taking the... When they come in with a, a group of people off the plane that he's, he's yeah it's piloting. all men or it's all women or... and she's taking the women yes and he's taking the men and there's the at that scene there is actually a couple yes and we see them later on and i forget their names because they're not that important i think i have it written down somewhere here um i'm sorry i don't i don't i don't have it it just right it, now. it comes in to how humanity works yes so people are basically dropping their normal jobs because at this point everyone is still laughing about earth being destroyed but the people that they're recruiting are basically saying we're going to drop our jobs we're going to drop our lives and move out to this mountain that might be in the appalachians we're not or really sure I, it's in the rockies i no, think it's in the it's rockies. in the appalachians because later on we see a helicopter that they're riding a helicopter from the rocket site to New York City. Right. So it's it, it might be in the Arondacks, it might be in the Appalachians. It's somewhere close-ish to New York City. I could see it in the Arondacks. Okay. I've been there before. So we end up getting like these um we end up getting like this montage of basically all these workers doing things that need to be done to preserve humanity. Like there's this one shot that I said, Darlene, that actually chokes me up a little bit. And it's all the women in the, these coveralls scanning books into microfiche to preserve humanity's knowledge. And they, they're just constant. It's this, it's this huge room of all these microfiche machines and all these women constantly scanning page after page after page. And they're like, we have to preserve everything. And it, later on, we see them loading up the boxes of microfiche and it's box after box after box. And it's like, these people actually care. They actually care that they're, it doesn't matter what the book is. They're scanning it in. 
it's oh it's the holy bible one of them was the holy bible one was gray's anatomy yeah uh it doesn't say gray's anatomy but it says the human anatomy yeah 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 yeah, yeah. then the next one is it's just it's a whole but there's like philosophy there's even like (gasps) they, they they say it doesn't matter if it's if it's if it's philosophy or a book we disagree with it has to be kept it has to be so they scanned everything I don't know if they could have had time because today we couldn't even get it uh, everything on a one computer. But that's different today. I mean, they had to do reference information and yes, stuff. Yes, I'm like sure that. that like certain novels and things just were never scanned. You know, like like the old dime dime novels. I'm sure never got scanned. But also remember that the knowledge base of 1951 is like a tenth of what we have today in 2021. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And they didn't talk about anything about, like, movies or something like that. But you, I, I assume they had to have put movies on board. They had to have. Maybe not many. But again, remember, the amount of movies that were in existence in 1951 would be a lot different than it would be today. Now, mind you, movies then would have taken up more room because you'd need to have these big reels. So I, I can see them not saving tons of movies, maybe just important ones. But still, the fact is, is that you have these scenes of people doing everything they can, like gathering animals, um, testing the animals. Farmers, they were, they had farmers and... Yeah, they that on the list. I, I think they're harvesting eggs. I think they might even say that. To I freeze did them. not. But I don't think that's outright said. It looks like that's something what they're trying to do. But that might be me putting putting something into the movie. I think that you're I think. putting that in. Um, we kind of we get to the point where all the astronomers now agree that the worlds are going to collide and that the Earth is doomed. And it's probably six months. It's something. It doesn't matter. Because I, um, I really like the scene where you have the uh, the the newsboy. Yeah. Um, he's talking about here's this, here's this, right after the U UN. Yeah, that everybody's and, laughing. Yeah. And, um. Every other newspaper is it's like fifty fifty, on whether they're calling it a hoax or it's going to happen. Yeah, but we get to the point where the astronomers now agree that planets, the planets are going to collide, that the Earth is doomed. And this is where Stanton now says, look, we're, we're the furthest ahead on all these rockets, and there are other rockets being built. He does say that. But we're the furthest along, and we have the best chance of success. And when the world goes to pot, everyone is going to try, every mother with a child is going to try to get on this rocket. And he's got guns. And I have guns. And you know what? At this point, 
you have to look. We, I looked at you and I said, darling, that's a fair point, right? Like the, in the end, humans are smart. Humans as a group are dumb. And you get into a situation like that. I'm going to try to get you onto a rocket. I'm going to try to get somebody that I love onto that rocket. Am I going to sacrifice humanity's entire hope by storming the rocket? No, that's a line I freaking draw. But remember mob mentality is different than personal, than, you know, personal morals. And he brings in a huge amount of guns. And this is where they start evacuating. Martial law is declared. Yes. There's military people everywhere. And there you start evacuating the coastal towns because you have Zyra about to make its close pass. And they know there's going to be tidal waves. They know there's going to be earthquakes. All right. So we kind of have the scene where David is being told that he needs to go on the rocket. He's not going to even be have a choice in the matter. He's not going to be a part of the lottery. He needs to go. Because his skill set is needed for flying, number one. And number two, that um, he's actually a really morally important person to this team. He's the one that helped recruit everybody. He seems to be a leader. He's he's leading this but team. But the most of the word is, on, on that is that she wants... Yes. Now he thinks he should not go. David, David says, I don't need to go. There's people way more qualified to survive than me. Um, and we actually end up having this, it, it breaks off from there. He's really adamant about not going. We see the streets of New York city empty because it's been evacuated. Um, 1 PM on this date when Zyra is supposed to make its close pass hits and nothing happens and Stanton's there in like the rocket bunker going, I I knew it. This is all a scam to get money out of me, blah, 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 blah. And, and the then whole the whole world, room. well, the whole world shakes. But this is actually a really good set because they must have had the entire set on rockers. <sighs> and it's a big set. And because everybody is moving perfectly, it looks like the whole room is just rocking back and forth and things are being thrown. And we have this montage of volcanoes exploding um, bridges toppling, glaciers crumbling, tidal Tsunamis. waves, and the world is ending. Um, I, I wrote down like two notes. The model work here is amazing. Amazing, the model work here. And it actually, they built the stakes up very well here. And the it New York, paid it, off. Uh, it was already had water in it, and then you have a tidal wave come in. There is a model. Yeah. The, a model where tidal wave comes into New York city. Like, and there's already water on it. Like, yeah, a small amount. It, like, it's like a floor of it. Like it dropped or something like that. Like the whole city dropped a little bit in the initial earthquake. Um, we end up later on when they're flying their helicopter, we actually see like a long shot of New York city with towers leaning to the side. And it's, totally there's like water. hundreds of feet of water. Like, yeah, it, there's, like, ships toppled inside New and York City. And they're going to rest, to drop off uh, supplies. supplies to a mountaintop. Yeah, it's it's one of the few, like, there's a, they, they detect a radio signal from this community. That's 100 miles away. Yeah, and I'm trying to, to find what it's called. Um, I don't have it written down. I'm sorry. 
uh, the, but it's a tiny little lump of land and it's clearly what used to be a mountaintop. And there's 44 people, it, this radio call for help. It says, oh, there, there's 44 of us. Please help us. Is there anyone left? Is there any need, survivors? We need water. We need food and water and, and please somebody help us. Like it's clear that out of the entire East coast, these people, these 44 people and the people that were at this rocket facility are, might be the only ones left. Well, you have a Red Cross, um, the tent. tent and a nurse that's there. Yeah. And so this was one of those evacuation, evacuation sites, but there's only sites. only 44 people left there. Um, they drop food and water and they end up finding like a house that's floating with a child on the roof. And they save this kid and they end up giving him like a seat on the rocket because he's so small. But at that time is when the doctor, the, the fiance. Yeah. Dr. Fry. Fry. Is it Dr. No, it's not Dr. Fry. It's not Dr. Fry. I don't Dr. Know Fry. Dr. Fry is a different guy. It's, um, Oh God. Is it Drake? I don't know who it is. I'm it's sorry. His... Like, yeah, there's, there are characters that I don't remember the names of, but it's the fiance. He has this whole thing where <clears> he <throat> claims to David, he claims to David that the pilot who is George Fry, who is this, who is this engineer has a heart condition. He says he has a heart condition and he's most likely not going to survive the launch but he needs to go because he is the most qualified to fly this rocket. But if he dies, there's no one else that will fly but it. But at this time of the boy, he actually roll, runs off with the helicopter after the boy is thrown into the seat. Yeah. And he thinks the, the, the fiance, the sort of fiance is going to leave him behind because they've been fighting about Joyce and he doesn't like, he comes back and picks him up and he goes, I thought you were going to leave me behind. And he's like, I can't, I can't lie that it didn't cross my mind. And, but he came back like you, Oh, well he is a dick, but no, he's not, he's not really. And then he, he starts talking to, to David about Dr. Fry and David has up until till this point is like, I'm not going, there are people better qualified that should live besides me. And this guy finally convinces him that David needs to go as like the second pilot as the backup pilot. And David's like, my God, this is, he wants to believe it. He's like, this is, this is the whole thing I've been looking for, for, a, for months to convince me that I actually have to go because he, he wants to live. It's not like he wants to die. He wants to live, but he, he can't morally justify his own life. Now it's like this doctor basically kind of hands him his own life and he's filled with joy about it. And he runs out and kisses Joyce and you realize this doctor is like, wow, yeah, that's his sort of fiance. But he realized a long time ago that Joyce was actually in love with David and he wasn't going to have David leave. See, I get a little choked up about this. I'm actually getting well, a little choked up that if you love somebody, you you need you'd have to let them go if they're loving somebody else. It's not a. You can't force that. I know, but I'm saying that this this guy's like, I, I, I love Joyce. Yes but Joyce deserves to be happy and Joyce is in love with David. So I'm going to do everything I can to bring them together. Even if it hurts me. Yeah. I'm going because I'm like this 
uber medical doctor. He's a, uh, he's a and medical he's doctor. actually qualified to go. It's not like he's a douchebag and has weaseled his way onto the crew. He is an actual qualified medical doctor. Because you see him testing everybody for... Um, you see him testing everybody for um, all the physical. Yeah, yeah. Because some of the people got removed from it because of the physical. So what we have, it's this, he watches, he watches David and Joyce like embrace it just, just filled with happiness that they're going to actually be able to live together. As long as this rocket doesn't fail, I'm getting choked up again. My God, it's actually a meaningful scene. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. Um, wow. So we have, we have the numbers drawn, the random lottery that's going to be drawn there's this couple that we kind of met right at the beginning that came in together as volunteers. One of them got, got the number luckily enough and the other, the other one, one didn't. didn't. And so the guy comes in and basically goes up, goes up to Dr. Hendren and says, here's my coin, give it to somebody else. I'm not leaving her behind. And this is where like uh, Stanton's body man pulls a gun and says that coin's mine. I'm going on, on the trip. And Stanton again, like, like a hardcore, or not Stanton, Hendren, Dr. Hendren's like, you're not going, that coin's been assigned. And this, he's having a gun held to him, but freaking Hendren is a hardcore, like there's no negotiating with this guy. Hendren is amazing in this. He, he doesn't blink. He's like, you're not going. I have the gun. I will. And then that's where Stanton pulls his own gun out of the freaking wheelchair and plugs his own body, man. And he goes, he goes, Hendren, I told you, God damn it there's going to be people that will do anything to get onto this rocket and we need to arm everyone. And Hendren's like, okay, I, I, I know what you're saying, but if we arm everybody, everyone's going to riot and storm the rocket. So we need to try to keep the guns kind of under, under wraps. So what we end up having is, uh, everyone starts loading up into the rocket because well, it's there's getting some, to be there's some problems with the rocket because there's problems with the rocket because of the earthquakes. Um, what happens is, is that during the earthquakes on the close pass, uh, it started rolling down the ramp and they had to like block it. Um, the, the thing is when, as, as, as the, as Bellis is getting closer and closer now, especially in this last scene, the world is ending and it's not a, it's not like a, Ooh, look, everyone's just kind of go to going to go to sleep ending. The sky is on fire. The world is being torn apart. And you can actually even see that Bellis is is cracking too. Bellis is cracking a little bit, but it's so much bigger than Earth that it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's actually so large that it's drawing the atmosphere off Earth at this point. We actually see it after they've launched. We actually see streamers coming off Earth before it wipes. It just blows itself apart. For 1951, that was a good special effect. It wouldn't hold up today, but for 1951, that was amazing. Regardless, um, everyone starts loading up, okay? And what we have is Dr. Hendren and Stanton outside, and Hen Hendren is wheeling Stanton around. He's, he said to the person, I will wheel him up. I'll wheel him up, and Stanton ends up, uh, Hendren ends up staying out there, and we see, like, the workers that are, like, finally rioting and wanting to storm the rocket to live. Because, because they grabbed the guns that... Yep. And Hendren's like, he, he, he basically hits the launch button on the side of the rocket and 
steps back and Stanton's screaming, no, you have to let me on the rocket. I have to live. And he actually gets up out of his wheelchair, like a miracle kind of thing. Like he actually was crippled, but he's wanting to live so much that he forces himself out of that wheelchair to like stumble towards the rocket as it starts going down the it slope. It clips. The, uh, yeah, they, they all clips. blow out. They blow out. Anyway, Stanton, uh, not Stanton, Hendren, Dr. Hendren looks to Stanton and says, that rocket's not for us. The new world's for the young. God, I'm getting choked up again. Um, that's not for us. We have to, we have to let, we have to let the young live in the new world. It's going to be tough. And they watch that rocket and you have to think they're dead as soon as that rock, because those engines, when those engines kick on, as it's going down the slope, they're vaporized along with everybody else that was riding and shooting the guns. They're vaporized. So this rocket goes down the slope, kicks on its engines, and then shoots off this huge ramp going up into the atmosphere at huge velocities. Everybody passes out. Everybody There's passes out. There's only one seat that is, this is one of the things you didn't realize. Yeah. He'd already decided. That he was going to stay behind. That he was going to not have Stanton on. Because there's only one empty seat. Well, remember they said we're 180 pounds over, over mass anyway. And so he, he was calculating, I have to stay behind anyway. Doc, uh, Dr. Hendren, I have to stay behind. And then, no, we're going to have Stanton stay behind too. Because in the end, he's just going to be a drain on everybody. And it's it's a hard it's a hard decision to make, but I have to make it, and I'm going to sacrifice my own life to do it. And it's it's this whole like father giving his daughter the chance to live. It's also sad at this point because everyone is passed out from the G forces that no one witnesses the last moments of Earth. That Earth dies, and there's nothing left. Like, it's gone. There's nothing. No, there's no, guys, there's no, like, miracle that comes out of nowhere. Earth is dead. Everything is dead. The only thing that is left of humanity and Earth is inside this rocket. And it's streaking towards <laughs> Zyra. They have to turn and burn. They use all of their fuel turning and burning to slow down before it hits the atmosphere. They glide in. It turns out that, that Dr. Fry didn't have a stroke. Um, and he's really happy and, and, you know, David Randall wakes up and he's ecstatic that his pilot is not dead. Like he would take over. And I think he does take over a little bit to help fly the rocket, um, you know, burning the thrusters to, to get the proper attitude coming in and they run out and it's kind of a cool shot. They're looking down. There's these peaks, these mountain peaks that are coming up out of the, out of clouds. And he's like, I can't tell where we're going to land, but we have to go between those peaks and they do, they go through the clouds and they finally come out and it's kind of over this large snow plane. And he's like, okay, I can put us down here. <laughs> and he freaking does. And they're rattling around in this rocket as it touches down. And it, it, because of the way it was built, it actually had skids on it. So it could do this. And it's skipping belly on the ground. And it finally grinds to a stop out of fuel. Everyone's alive. They're a little shaken up. And... One of the guys like, well, we got to go out. We got to check the, uh, no, no, hold on. We got, we got to check the air. We got to make sure it's breathable. Good air or bad. There's only one place we can go. And they just pop the hatch and go outside. And it turns out, yeah, they landed on this snow plane, but down below is this kind of verdant Valley. Um, and it's a bad map painting. It's a very bad map painting. Um, but it was supposed to be a placeholder and George Powell thought it was a placeholder because George Powell normally wouldn't let that crap go. 
but it's the end folks like there's hope for humanity there is hope for humanity but there's only 40 there's only 40 people and all this stuff now we've talked a lot about the plot obviously obviously i love this movie this movie and like war of the worlds are the two movies that i think actually really emotionally impact me for whatever reason from this era since this was your first time really watching it that you can remember what things stood out to you as things that worked um why do you always ask me that question can you just answer your own question i can well yeah because i want to get your opinion too that's why i ask it um i uh I like the, the, the rocket is really an interesting thing. And I'm like, it kind of looks like the V, the V2, the V2 on a, they had that one that was, Oh, you're, you're talking about the buzz bomb with the V1 where they had like the launch, launch rails and things. So it uses that thought process. Um, I thought that was pretty good. The, the, the thing that everybody had to pull together after the earthquake yeah to put i-beams in to structurally make the uh ramp sound yeah underneath the rocket that was kind of really good um the long distance point of where you see everybody just doing their own things when you finally you come into it as they're starting to make the rocket and all that that montage of them trying to save humanity like this is this is the jobs that save humanity but Um, i think you're being hyper specific like i think the plot overall was it worked it's a man against nature yes but i can see government shutting that down and allowing humanity just to die yeah, but you have... I don't see them getting to the new UN with that information. Sure, I can see... But I, I also can see in, industrialists just funding something of their own accord and at least the U.S. government going, hey, you know what? It's private business. Let them do it. Like, and that's the only reason anyone from the United States lives is because private business actually takes care of it. But And it's only because of, like, private, well... I would say public scientists doing the work ahead of time and then everyone just volunteering because let's be honest, this isn't a pro capitalist movie by any means. Um, If anything, it's actually pro socialist because it's, it's everyone pooling together. Not communism. Not communist. It's everyone pooling together for the greater good and ignoring the fact that things cost money because it just needs to work and they do it. There is money, there's jobs being made, money is moving hands, but it's like, no, look, we're not going to care about a return on investment of the next quarter. Our investment is the future. Screw you. You know, I'm not, I I don't care about shareholders. I care about humanity. Um, The characters, I mean, yeah, I can gripe the fact that I I don't remember the, 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 the fian, sort of fiance's name, but David Randall as the courier, there is a character there, a solid character. I would say Joyce Hendren isn't as strong of a character as, as David Randall, but that's a character still. She is an interesting person. She has, uh, 
it's not just about the love interest, the reason why she's there. She's there to help her father. She's honestly, actively wanting to help humanity. She's wanting to do X, Y, Z, right? Um, Stanton, even though he's the jerk capitalist industrialist that's funding the rest of the rocket, he's actually an interesting character because all the points that he makes in the movie are true. They're right. And they come to pass because he, he is such a jerk that he knows how the rest of humanity is going to be a jerk. So everything he says is pretty prophetic. Yes, but he actually instigates his own problem. Yes, the, the yes, problem. he does. Yes, he does. You have uh, Dr. Hendren, the lead scientist, who's, you know, Joyce's father, who is not just your generic scientist from one of these movies. He's actually a badass standing up to people that have a gun to him by just saying, no, you're not going. I'm sorry. You're going to kill me? Big deal. That means I die now instead of tomorrow. Screw you. Because well, he doesn't say no, that. No, but th- that's the point. But like that's that, what his thought was. That, well, I have to assume that's what his point was. Um, he's like, I'm thinking about humanity, not by my... I'm not thinking about myself. And that's what a lot of the characters are doing here, is they're thinking about humanity and not themselves. Um, all of the special effects, barring that last map painting not only work, but I would say are arguably some of the best that we see in the 1950s. And this is still 1951. I, I you're, you're nodding. You have to say yes, no, you agree. Um, except for that they, last one. I think they're, they're really good, but I don't know if I can actually say it's the best I've seen. That New, New York having the tidal wave come through it. That was, that's a model work. I'm saying just overall, the special effects in this are, amazing there's a couple that don't work like that last map painting that was kind of bad and there's a couple composited shots with the rocket that are a little janky yes because you uh, you you can almost see that they when it, they're trying to flip the yes but even but when it's I will a give little a one janky point that i do think is great there was details in small small things yes like there's the details that every box was being weighed yes they're weighing everything and writing it down or the signs that are everywhere you can waste anything you want except time time is the only important resource like it it, don't worry about wasting you know tinfoil or whatever if you're having to do something you know what i mean it's time is the only thing we can't waste these signs that are everywhere um and everywhere is these two dates the two dates of when the countdown yeah when the close pass occurs and when effectively the world society is going to end at that close pass and then the world is going to end when earth slams into bellis um what doesn't work in this movie is there anything that really doesn't work timing doesn't really work i i think it works but it i sometimes feel like you got lost about how long time has been passed. That's what the calendars are there for. They're there, but all of a sudden it just doesn't. I know, but they're also trying to tell a story that happens over eight months. So there's going to be time jumps. I see what you're saying though. It might be a little confusing to people about like how much time is passing in certain scenes. I get that. And even, even with the janky, a couple of the janky special effects, they're still much better than most of the things that we see in 1950s and 60s science fiction movies. So I can't say that they don't work. Um, 
is there anything honestly that else that doesn't work? This is this is one of the grades to me. This is one of the grades, um, along with War of the Worlds and Time Machine, where you just go, hey, look, if you want to know what 1950s and 60s science fiction is about, this is one of them. And I'm honestly shocked that you've never seen this with me before. Being I don't that- remember seeing it. But then again, you bought that and never opened it. Yeah, I did. It was you open. Did? Yeah, I've watched it at least three or four times oh. because it, it's one of those movies that I, I like going back to. I don't watch as much TV as you do. Yeah, I know, but I don't. I watch old movies. Yeah. So and what what can them. modern filmmakers learn from George Pell? Um, George Pell and the entire production uh, team that went through this. Sometimes the small details are your savior in a lot of things of telling the story yes have people reacting realistically both good and bad i really like the fact that this is one of the worst situations you can possibly think of for the world the world is going to end that's it but people are both reacting you don't need to show people panicking right that's needless spectacle we know that's going to happen well, they kind of said, did that when you see martial law being... Yeah, but you don't show people rioting in the streets. No, but you know that it already happened. That's the point. You don't need to show it because you know it would have happened. And you get the sense that this this was a closed... Where they're doing this rocket is a closed community. The only way you can get in is through passes. So this is why it, it, was, uh, it was Stanton's bringing in the cases of guns that caused a problem of the rioting. So you say that, but I don't, I don't know. I want to say there had to have been military there to protect it. We just don't see it. They would have been on the outskirts. Yeah. But at at the end, when like the, the air is being torn off earth, you would have thought that even the military would have probably come in. And like gotten close to see the rocket. But you or, see what I'm saying about yeah. they wouldn't have had the guns, and one of them is a bar. Yeah, I thought I saw a, a Browning automatic rifle. Um, you wouldn't have had that if he didn't bring it in. So, because that inner inner community was those people that had the lottery were the inner, not just guards. They were. I don't think any guards ended up going. No. Or at Would least you... it, we, we don't know. We don't know that. It's it's possible because they said they said it was like um, there were 600 ish men and women working on the project. Um, so like 1,200 and there was 40 tickets effectively. These random coins that they, they ended up. What was really cool is I thought they actually even did their lottery well. Like they drew the numbers before the numbers even were given out. And people had to randomly draw numbers out of the box. The numbers had already been drawn. It doesn't matter. So this is what's fair. You chose your number. It's on you, not on, you can't blame us for randomly, quote unquote, choosing choosing something. Like, that's a really smart way of doing it. Um, the movie's thoughtful. It's thoughtful. And, uh, yeah, I mean... But they were also... Um, picking their people too. Yeah, out of the volunteers, like yeah, if you're a jerk, you're not going to be working for us anyway because you're most likely. And I not thought gonna... it was six hundred together. 
No, because David says the odds are like one in, you know, one in 600 or something like that, which, which might suggest that there's like 20, because there would be 20 men. So like 20 times 60, which would be a huge amount, uh, 20 times 600. So you're talking about, you know, it's, it's insane. That would be 12,000 people, 12,000 men working on the, on the project. Yeah. That that, it doesn't make sense. So it's it's him. It's him basically saying there there should be like. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like you said, the numbers didn't work. It it doesn't. It doesn't really work. Ignore the numbers, but. And I think we would have known, um, way beforehand. Of this. No. You don't. Not, so. not, not in the 1950s. Today it would be a different story. We would have probably detected it way before then, but it's not like we would have been able to change it because of the size of Bellis and Zyra. Like, we could have detected, like, let's say, hey, we, we get a 10-year notice rather than an eight-month notice on, on this today. There's still nothing we can do because something that large, we're never going to be able to shift the orbit of. That's it. And, it's done. And um, I don't know... I, I, I don't know how they figured out that Zyra would get into orbit. They figured that's just simple astrophysics to me. Like you, Hey, if you understand its path that it's taking, you understand how, how close it's going to get to earth. You understand the path it's going to take because of gravity after that, how it's going to be deflected. It's, it's math. It's a lot of math, but you can do it. And I, I don't I have a problem that with that at all. In Pale's thing, it was supposed to be basically an ice world, and because it gets close to the sun, it becomes. I uh, see. To me, it was a rogue planet. It's a well, rogue planet because Bellus is huge, right? And then Zyra is an Earth-sized moon of it, and it was a rogue planet. And you can say Zyra ha- was warm even in interstellar space because of the gravitational influence of. Bellis pulling on it like you know Jupiter on Io and that's why it was able to stay warm and there is life there in fact if you look at that last map painting there was a civilization there at one point well that but was what I was going to say is we that can't take that I don't for, think that map painting was supposed to I don't think it was it was a was placeholder my, it's a placeholder pal wouldn't approve of that I, I think he was actually thinking of it as once it got into orbit, then it could start. No, I think he, he assumed that it would have life, just not mm-hmm. a civilization. Um, because the book that it's based on has life there. So um, we're just continuing to talk about this movie. I, and, and folks, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Because we're going to babble on and on and on. Because honestly, this movie did make us think. It made us talk it obviously raises passions in me. Like I get emotional talking about certain scenes. I know you got a little emotional watching it. And I don't usually get emotional. I, I saw it in your eyes. I'm not, I'm not trying to like make fun. Of, I'm not making, I fun just of you. said, I don't normally get, emotional. but you did in this, right? I like the, that love scene, um, thing that really, that he actually, I still think that he was going to and said, uh, I can't do that to him, you know? Yeah. And then he decided that the more he saw his love interest, the doctor did, 
being, you know, that he was like, I want her to be happy. Yeah. And how can I get her to be happy? Yeah. It was truly unselfish. Yeah. Yeah. Selfless. Selfless. Amazing movie, folks. We both recommend it highly. I don't know if we can recommend it more highly than we do. It, It really is good. Drop what you're doing and watch it. I don't think it's that that much, but go ahead and watch it. For a 1950s or 60s science fiction movie, this is 10 out of 10. For a science fiction movie, this is 9 out of 10. This is better than modern science fiction movies in many ways. Well, modern science fiction sometimes is crap. But I mean, old science fiction is sometimes crap too. I'm just saying, overall, in the annals of, of science fiction film, folks, this is one of the greats. This is one of the best. Well, we will let you go and have a good night. Yeah, have a good night, folks. Thanks for listening. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Thanks for listening to this episode of This Week in Geek. Hungry for more? Check out our website at thisweekingeek.net. You can subscribe to the podcast, browse our Twitter and Instagram, and leave your thoughts on today's topics. If you'd like to give us some feedback, send us an email at feedback at thisweekingeek.net. Tune in next time, and remember... And surrender your listenership. We would be honored if you would join us. Thank you for your cooperation. Good night.